Welcome to Oz Property Investors, where you're smart, no BS friends who tell you the most interesting stuff going on in property. Join your host, Jeff Miles, former mortgage broker and property developer, alongside Joe Tucker, Director of Property Principles Buyers Agency, as they interview some of Australia's top property experts and commentators, so we can all become better property investors together. We are live on Oz Property Investors. We bring the big names and we have the big fun. I'm excited. Let's uh, let's get a, let's get amongst it. Hey, how you going anyway, Nita? What's how was your day? Uh yeah, awesome. I sold a car, so uh, you know, hopefully that rubs off some luck and uh, I can buy a house now. Wow, <laughs> yeah. very it's a good car. omen. Good omen. <laughs> you can buy a house. How are you? It. How are you going? How are you going as well, Joe? What's what's happening, man? You're uh... You're looking man, I'm, very zen. It's, uh, it's morning, morning time here. here. I'm, I'm, I'm in, in the UK. UK. I'm going on my first holiday in three, three, five years. Um, so I'm, I'm pumped. pumped. We, we went, went to a place, place called Whitby, Whitby, which has a place, place where Captain Cook grew up. So there is a, uh, a big ship, the same size of the Endeavour, which is a replica of the Endeavour that Captain Cook took. So it's about as exciting as you would imagine it to be. Um, but it's, 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 it's wonderful out here. I like, I like it. I'll, I'll be, be back, back soon, though. I much prefer uh, the sunshine rather than six coats on. Um, and the nice. crickets. And, and the crickets. crickets. But also, the, the, property, the way property is done, transacted over here, is incredibly interesting. It is not the same as we have in Australia. Pretty much every sale is subject to the sale of another one. Joe, you sound Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, so, so it, it, there's, there's some interesting, interesting things with that. I'm, I'm going to try and fix my audio, so I'm going to um, let you, Jeff, take take off. How, How are you anyway, mate? mate? I'm I'm busy. I feel I feel feel very busy. Feel very busy. busy. Oh, hang on. Yeah, now it's echoing for. No, oh, yeah, that's better. Um, you know, I'm I'm fantastic. Like love loving life, loving this late sort of summer, early autumn sort of uh, thing. So, and I'm excited for the session because how good are renovations like. I'm seeing so many properties out there that you can potentially do renos for and not every one of them is going to be purchased or renoed, but there's so much opportunity out there. So I'm excited to, to dig into this one. And on, on this session tonight, we're going to talk about, I think it's important to set the scene for what, for the for the renovation, like what is involved, what, what you sort of look for, how to sort of actually run the renovation. So set that scene. And because Anita, right. I think you've done 10 or 11, have you Anita? How many have you done? Um, look, I've done seven renovations. I've bought 10 of my own properties. Um, yeah. But then I've, you know, assisted other people and consulted on, on, on numerous. Yeah. But, yeah, personally seven. So not, not 10 yet. Oh, <laughs> oh you probably – you go, Jeff. Is that better? No. Uh, I think it is better, actually. But, um, yeah, no, and, and then we're going to talk to the, the one that – so you, you, you grew your uh, rental income from, on a property from $390. So was it 390 to 640 or 650 What was the numbers you gave? No, it was 360 to 590 So $230. That's just there we go. So, yeah. Wow. wow. Stay well tuned. done. Thank you. <laughs> That's an ROI for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, not quite fifty percent, but um, certainly a significant, a significant up gain. Um, you know, one thanks to the market, but two thanks to um, to the renovation. So it was a combined effort. Yeah, 
it's gonna it's gonna be a whole bunch of lessons and and just practical tips and and tactics which which we love so without if, yeah. if you're excited for that leave us drop us a drop us a comment and let us know if you're watching on youtube if you have a question about renovation let us know as well we have some renovation sort of ex well, i say joe is expert and so is anita and i've done a reno mm-hmm. too as well so don't count me yeah let's get into the week i think it's worthwhile as well to mention that um we had anita on a couple of months ago and she did her full investor story and that was actually one of our more popular um episodes so you can go check that out but this is going to be more diving into the renovation side of things and getting into the nitty-gritty of how renovations work what is the process what does it look like what kind of returns can you expect so yeah i'm pumped for this i'm pumped but anita what is your almost a year ago joe Bloody hell, really? Time flies when you're chatting, Reno. What is your quote of the week, Anita? So my quote is, there are two types of property investors, landlords and slumlords. You get to choose who you want to be. Mm. Yes, I agree. About what we're going to talk about today and, and, and the case study. So it was a... Uh, it, that quote was from one of my property mentors, Sam Saggers, and, uh, and and it just blew me away that the, there is a clear definition out there between a landlord and a slumlord, and you can pick a slumlord a mile away, and, and sadly they still exist in today's market. But I know I certainly don't um, aspire to be one. I, I want to be the best investor that I can, and when you are, then that's the opportunity to make good money. And, and run a clean, you know, profitable business. Yeah, and it's also good, good for this, good for you. You know, you don't feel terrible. I've, I've got some, some investors that I chat with that are like, I want to milk absolutely every dollar out of this property. Um, but sometimes when you try and push too far, like trying to raise rents, you know, eighty dollars or eighty dollars a week when the market's only calling for sixty, and you try and push and push and push, you can sometimes get tenants that you know, are not as financially savvy as they should be. Say, so screw it, I'll just go with this expensive one um, and they're not actually the best quality. So it's always worthwhile chatting to your property manager as well um, because, yeah, you don't want to be a slumlord whatsoever, um, but it can bite in the butt as well. So in the long term, it just it doesn't work out. Um, you've got to just, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated and all that good stuff. Um, awesome. Yeah. Okay, Jeff, what is your uh, quote of the week? So mine was, mine is... Um, it, it won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. So the, I think when, when a renovation, everybody sees the block and I suppose the block is a bit glamorous and they do show some of the tougher parts of it, but everybody sees these sexy reno shows and, but they don't actually realize that renos can be tough. Like things can go, things can go wrong. Like you can, you can sort of run into challenges that you didn't anticipate, particularly if you're doing a structural renovation, you can sort of break. Yeah. You can sort of in the house as well. You can, uncover like things that you would never have been able to see on the building and pest, for example. So you sort of see that and you say, you're going to run into challenges, but then it, it'll be worth it. If you can overcome those challenges as, as profit in, there isn't, isn't profit in pretty as Todd Sloan says. Love it. Yeah. I'm all, I'm all for it. My quote is without hard work, nothing grows but weeds. Um, renovations are exactly that. They are not easy. They are very unattractive. It's like everyone glamorizes renovations until they're, the, you know, the sale's done. There's no one there except they're in an empty house with paint peeling off and, uh, you know, dust everywhere. Um, however, the returns are 
pretty pretty exciting and i think it gives it, it kind of gives people the opportunity people that don't necessarily have that you know five hundred thousand dollars backing um it gives them the opportunity to build that wealth over time like it, it's a way to it's a way to go from nothing into something um but i'm sure we're going to unpack all of that now um but before we introduce the wonderful anita let's jump into our sponsor of the week the amazing thing with commercial property investing is that in most cases it's cash flow positive from day one, which means that you can drive those profits towards paying down the debt. There are instances with commercial property investing where you can actually have the property pay itself off over 10 years, which is absolutely crazy. With commercial property, you get massive net yield, so you can expect anywhere between six to 10%. And as we've seen in the current boom, these properties not only provide large cash flow, they do certainly grow wildly in value too. Now with big rewards comes some risk, and this is why you should de-risk your investment as much as possible. And the way you do that is with expert due diligence. And this is why we highly recommend people hire professionals to help you along in your investing journey. Steve Polisi of Polisi Property is one such expert. Being a chartered mechanical and structural engineer in a past life, Steve draws on his analytical and mathematical skills to do that expert due diligence for you. With six years experience in the space, Steve has over 1,200 property transactions under his belt. He's the guy you want in your corner, crunching the numbers and finding the best properties in the best locations, along with ensuring that you avoid the mistakes. Steve has actually even written the book on commercial property investing in Australia. And not only is it a bestseller, I believe it to be the most comprehensive in commercial property investing on the market today. He's been generous enough to give us a massive discount for our audience of 50%. So use the code OZPROP, click the link below, get a copy today and start learning and getting on your commercial property investing journey. And we, and we are back. Joe, I can see the sun. It's shining through. The sun is shining on Joe. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah. Look at him go. How good is that? So Anita, you, who are you, uh, you sent, you sent me through, I, I wrote, uh, you had, we had you on roughly a year ago and uh, the, the intro you've got is, is epic. I love it. So you're a homeowner, property investor, renovator for 20 years. I think the thing I got mixed up on is that you said you've uh, bought 10 of your own properties. You did renovate seven of them. So you did tell me that. So my own fault for not, not uh, reading my own notes. You studied interior design and a wealth of knowledge in, in uh, experience in real estate. And I think the thing that is, is so great with you is you, you specialize in, in providing something that not a lot of people are able to do really well and really effectively, which is why I think it, tonight's going to be fantastic to hear your sort of case study, which is um, cosmetic renovation and, and how to sort of how to actually conduct that and do it in a way that's stylish. Because I think doing a reno is not particularly hard. Anybody can do a reno, but doing it in a manner that meets, meets what the market wants I think that's that's the important thing. So, um, another thing that you've done is you've you are also um, self self employed. So you're a business owner, and also lastly, I think there's heaps, a couple of things I've missed. But you're a single mother of two girls. So how how good is I, I suppose that's fantastic. Whilst raising a family, so good good on you. So how, how good is that? Is there anything I missed that you wanted to call out that? No, nothing, nothing you missed. I mean, like I, I separated from my husband back in um, 2017. So being on your own um, certainly provides 
lots of challenges when you want to invest in property um, and hence mm. why essentially for me I couldn't for a number of years until last year when when I bought this um, property that we're going to talk about. So, you know, I just I, I think that's just for me quite profound achievement but for a lot of people out there who are budding investors and and, and they've gone through divorce or, or death or something in the family it's like you know don't don't give up you know it really is a mindset challenge um but there's always a way and you just have to persevere and, and stick to what you know the the one thing that never could be taken away from me was my experience and knowledge and and that goes for everyone so you know, just because you have to pause for a few years, the show's not over. Keep playing the game. Yeah, and that's that. what we're talking about tonight, the, the game of property. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's I, – I think a, a lot of people got, get caught up and even those people that buy their first property and they and they don't sort of see that stratos, stratospheric growth that people sort of saw in 2020, 2021 and in summer 2022 – and they sort of say, oh, no, property doesn't work. It's all too hard. You know, I'm just going to go back. And all the people that told me I was, I was wrong to invest in property were right. And, you know, and they sort of give, they give up and they don't realize that they're so close to potentially, um, there's so many lessons that can be taken from that, from that opportunity. So uh, to, to give a bit of summary, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk about sort of renovation in general. And then we're going to lead into Anita's, the case study where she took that sort of increased her rental income close to be close to double it. What do you do? I don't, don't know numbers, but close to 60 or 70%. So is there any other words you want to pump it up with there, Joe? <laughs> no, you nailed it. You pumped it up. You pumped it up enough. Uh, let's get into enough. it. Enough. Oh, dear. Yeah. I always <laughs> like to improve. So Anita, we'd love to start. We usually start with people's first property purchase, but tonight I want to talk about, I want to ask you your favorite renovation. So if it's the one we're going to talk about tonight, I haven't prompted this too much. If it's the one you've recently done recently, that's okay. But just let us know why it was your favourite renovation. Well, I guess if I can, I'll, I'll mention too, like this one we're going to talk about tonight is my favourite because it's my biggest achievement, like I said, on my own, you know, as a single person. So there's a lot of pride that goes into, into that renovation. Um, but probably the one that is... The biggest for my ego um, was a was a unit that I bought in Sutherland back in 2013, and um, you know that was advertised at, at 440, then down to 400,000, and then I picked it up for 387, and I did a renovation in three days. So you know I'm trying to be up there with Sheree Barber and get it done quick. And, and, and the beauty of contracts and having a, a vacant property is if you can get access to the property um, while you're waiting on the on the settlement period, you can get your kitchen guys and carpet layers and whatever into the property to measure up. Mm -hmm. So that way on the day of settlement, bang, you straight in there stripping and, and painting and whatnot. So that was like brand new kitchen, carpet paint, handles, light fittings, all in three days. Wow. Um, so how long did it take before you got it renovated? Like how long? So you would have gone unconditional on the contract, which is where you own the house pretty much legally. It, well, not legally, but you 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 can't back out. The vendor can't back out, and you're going to buy this property. And then there's probably what three or four weeks until settlement. How many trips did the tradies take? And was it a bit difficult to organise, or was it just straight in? Or what did that kind of look like? 
Yeah, it's just prepare for the Yeah, it's just a standard thirty day contract. Um, I'm going by memory. I think it was fourteen yeah, days. Um, finance wow. and because it was vacant, I mean, they had no problem with me going in mm. there and and just it was a matter of booking in the agent to get access. Um, mm. Of course, no works can be started until settlement, but it means as soon as you get those keys at 5pm on, on Friday or whatever the day of the settlement it is, um, you can get in there really quickly and do what you need to do. Yeah, that's so valuable because it allows you time to do do things and organise the trades in because there are lead times for trades. Like we're, we're doing a floor, we need to replace flooring in a property that we're working on. There's a two-week lead time. But we have that two-week lead time because we're now unconditional and we'll get him in, measure and quote, perfect, you're ready to go, flooring's done. Then we get our painter in. How much is it going to cost? It's going to cost X, great, are you available on this day? And then... Um, there's a process for which, well, depending on the level of your renovation, like you don't want to be um, laying carpet before painting and demolishing. Um, so you have to kind of think about it in a little bit more of a, a structured way as well. Um, what kind of renovation was it? Like three days doesn't sound like you can get too much done, but I know you and I know it would have been a lot. <laughs> it was a brand new kitchen. So, you know, day one pulled out the kitchen, day two put in the kitchen while the guy's doing the kitchen or the carpet got pulled up, um, new carpet laid, and then, uh, sorry, before the new carpet got laid, we painted and, like I said, light fittings, handles, just basic stuff. It wasn't anything flashy, yeah. but the kitchen was pretty crap that I knew, you know, for me, the kitchen is the centre of the house and if you want good tenants, you, they don't mm. want that old 1970s wall oven in there and, and and the electric cooktop that, you know, three of the elements aren't working. So, you know, I made that investment of about $20,000 into the reno and, um, and the sad part about that situation was because of government grants that were going on at the time, it meant that um, there was a a huge amount of stock on the market for rentals. So, you know, we got the renovation done in three days, but it took four weeks to find a tenant. It was just a sad fact. Um, so um, you learn from these things. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's it's tough, tough if you're particularly you're paying the mortgage. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's, yeah. Well, well, how is there any way you could... Sorry. What was that, Joe, sorry? I wonder what the vacancy rates would have been like at that point in time as well. Like it's a, a bit Probably of a different world that we're living in. Three or four percent mm. at the time. And whilst I didn't get a return immediately on that property, timing the market is really important when you're buying um, if you want to make some quick money. And I couldn't have timed that purchase any better. Um, we ended up selling the property three years later um, and made $200,000. So, you know, that uplift with the renovation certainly helped to attract a buyer it had long-term tenants in it um so you know you, you you've got to forward think on your long-term goals i certainly don't see value in flipping um you know you need to hold a property at least two to three years to see some return on it and the benefit then is of course your capital gains tax concessions after 12 months yeah yeah and what what are your thoughts on on, on flipping because you've you've done you've done everything right you've bought and hold you've 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 flipped you've done it I done it flipped. all oh, you haven't flipped no oh, I, I, don't I consider a, I consider a free year a flip that, that that's a flip to me because you, oh, is it? You, 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 yeah anything that's held for less than five years I, I think because 
to me. Well, I suppose it depends on the if 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 you're so if you're selling to. I suppose it depends if if you if you didn't plan to sell it and maybe you did, maybe it's not flipping. But yeah. To me, a flip is something that you do that doesn't have someone move into the property. So you do the renovation and you sell it straight away. Now, whether Uh, that takes two weeks, two months, um, nine months, depending on the extent of the renovation, Um, but essentially, generally, it's within 12 months. To me, that's my perception of what a flip is. I like it. You know, I I can get on board with that. I I see where you're going with that. It makes sense. I've learned something tonight. <laughs> but see, um, I like so... to save money, hence why I always aim. Like if, if I want to do a renovation and what you would call flip is I would buy the property, rent it out for one or two years, make sure I get the capital gains tax concessions from holding the property and then do the renovation to sell if I thought there was money in that. But if yeah. the property is pretty yeah. crap to start off with, then you can't get a good tenant and then there's no point because what often happens is you'll do a renovation and if you don't do it in the taste of what your buyers are, they'll just come in and rip it out anyway. So it's really a fine balance and and all dependent on the type of property that you're buying. Just like that capital gains tax situation, folks, this is uh, speak to your accountant. If Joe has the cop, uh, put it up now. But uh, none of this is, yeah, uh, because... If you do it more than a couple of times, you can be, there. You go. It can be considered as um, as not a not a capital gains tax um, discount situation. You may end up be carrying on a business if you're considered yes. to be doing so. So, yeah, which then means you're then sort of paying all, a, a different type of tax. It could be considered income tax. So, speak to your professionals. But um, but no, I think yeah. Sorry to point that out, but mm, no, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, so definitely. should we should we get into? Oh, sorry, Joe. Go, mate. I was going to say I, that dovetails quite nicely. We'll, we'll, you've presented a whole bunch of slides for us, so I want to honour that. We won't go through every slide, but I think it's important to because you have such a you've been investing for in, in ten properties and doing it for 20, 20, at least twenty years. So I think that's important to share your sort of wisdom. So I wanted to honour that you've put this together for us, and I'll need to I will put that as a presentation. And let me. Is that, does that need to be bigger, Joe? Yeah, yeah, that's good. No, that's perfect. Perfect. All right, so you, you put this together with value with a value-add renovation bonanza. So <clears throat> you put this little quote, investing, I'll let you, you should probably read the quote because I think it's better for you to. Sure. So investing in property is a game of chance and luck for most. For those who have chosen to become educated and are guided by experts and mentors, it is a game of strategy, mindset, risk, opportunity and bloody hard work. You get to decide how you want to play the game. Are you ready to play? (laughs) So good. Love that. Love that. Is that an Anita special? Is that your quote? Yeah, look, I've, I've, I've always said, you know, um, property investing is a game. It's a, it's, it's a game of, of, of chance. But then when you've been doing it for a while, you actually get to be a little bit smart about it. I mean, you, you think about the game of Monopoly. Everyone starts on the board at, at, with the same money and the same place. But how you play the game, how you go around that board, how you invest in, in, in different properties or, or and, and to get rent in that, you know, there's winners and losers at the end of the game. And 
that's essentially what property investing is as well. It's it's much like a game of of monopoly, except unfortunately in the real world we don't start with the same amount of money and we don't get two hundred dollars every time we pass go. So, you know, that's the main difference, I guess. I'm I'm a big fan of the uh, the game, the Rut Race. Um, I don't know if have you ever played the Rut Race by Robert Kiyosaki. That one? No. I would highly, yeah. It's 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 more relatable to me. I like Monopoly's fun, but have you played it, Joe? No, I haven't played. Oh, that's no, called Cash Flow. Yeah, that's yeah, what it's called. It was like it was like one hundred and fifty dollars or something incredibly expensive. Um, Send you and- a copy, Joe. All right, I can afford it. It's all good. <laughs> I got cash flow, but uh, yeah, no, that's because I love that game because it's sort of yeah, just gives you yeah. It's if anyone's played that game, let us know in the comments. But on to we're going to give you a general overview, then we'll then we'll start to talk renovation. So I think this pay this plays into what other ways. Talk, talk tell us your uh, perspective on the ways you can make money investing in property, Anita. Yeah, well, the first one is timing the market, which is what I was just um, mentioning about the the property that I bought in Sutherland. Like if if you understand the cycles um, that happen, you know, in, in Australia, the, the macro and micro cycles that are going on, um, you can pretty much, you know, work out when there's going to be, a, um, you know, another little boom, if you want to call it that. So that's timing the market. Um, buying well and buying under market value, um, you know, people put properties on the market every day for some sort of reason. And if you can find a vendor who is invested in selling because they have to, you know, it may be because of death, divorce, debt, they're moving into state. Um, so they're the main reasons and essentially to them money is not as important as the outcome. So if mm. you can achieve the outcome that they need, which might be a quick settlement or it could be, um, you know, a certain yeah. amount of flexibility for them to be able to live in the property for a few months until they move, or all sorts of reasons that people have, they're the conditions that we can put in contracts. And, uh, and, and that enables you to buy um, under market value. Not easy to find, but definitely well possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Under market is, um, I don't know, it's, it, somebody asked a question about it the other day or like if a valuation come back further than what somebody paid. And I don't know, to me, under market, like you, you could, yeah, I don't know, Joe and I have had discussions on this, but I don't know, you probably can do it, but I think it's incredibly rare to, to have it happen. Well, I like to think that there's, there's people, there's you know, three or four types of people, the people that need to desperately sell right now. And as Anita said, there's no, the money is not the problem. I need a quick settlement because I need to get out for, you know, death, divorce, whatever reason. Um, And then there are people that are like, oh, I'll just kind of put it on the market, see how we go. And then there are people that are like, I don't really care. I just, you know, the real estate agent knocked on my door and I thought I'd put it on the market. So I don't really need to sell this thing unless I get a stupid number. And and I'm a prime example of this. I had a real estate agent reach out on my property. Um, my property's worth about uh, 500 550 and then they're like, oh, great, you know, this is this is it. We want to sell it for you. We'll get 550 I'm like, no, no, if you can sell for 570 then I'll then we'll chat. Um, but obviously they couldn't, the market wasn't there. So, um, you, uh, are all good. You, you know, you can't do it. Why, why, um, why five, yeah. why five Joe, instead of what they said they could get five fifty, but you want an extra 20 K. What was the 20 K that was it? So you could buy a nice t- car or something. 
Yeah, it was because I knew that it wouldn't it wouldn't get there, and I didn't really want to sell it. But she kept hounding me, so I thought, well, let's give her a silly number. Um, and why didn't you say six hundred then, mate? I mean, if you get, because the problem is, if she'd actually got true. that five seventy, would you no. have, would you have? Sold well, it then I just have to say I don't want it. But th- there are those people out there are those people out in the market that exist and that just don't really care to sell their property. The real challenge that you're going to have is there are investment grade properties out there and then there are non-investment grade properties um and then you need to try and find where is a investment grade property that has a vendor that's willing to sell and willing to sell it at a good price as well um that's that's kind of my thoughts my thoughts to that is trying to find those opportunities but also find the opportunity with the vendor as well yeah let's um I, I, I do. I'd love to go through location and time in the market. We're almost half an hour in, so let's let's talk to add value, styling, and staging because I think those are really the crux of this session. So tell us your thoughts on how you make money through adding value and styling and staging, Anita. Well, when you look at a property, it's like has it already had a renovation or is it in original condition or it could be halfway there. And sometimes people do a renovation, but they just completely ignore the floor plan and they just replace like with like. So if you can see opportunity in that, you know, just by pulling out a couple of walls and opening things up and, and flow through to the to the backyard, that in itself can, um, you know, present great add value. So floor plan is, is a huge one um, because people generally can only see what's in front of them. And mm. so when I'm looking for property, I'm trying to find ways that can I create another room? Like one of my renovations was I had an internal garage to the house, a single garage, which really, you know, wasn't practical, but I converted that into the master bedroom and ensuite. So you, so that's what I mean by looking at the floor plan. And if you can do things that don't involve council and it's within the framework of the existing building structure, then later on you can go and add, example, a, a, a carport or a granny flat or, or whatever it is. But, you know, it, it's looking at the at the floor plan that's essential when um, when trying to look at can you add value. Yeah, and what are the things that you – what are the other things that you look out for? Uh, so, like you know, on, on the floor and, plan, sorry. On the floor plan. Um, so, you know – openness like that a lot of the older houses you know in the 70s and, and 80s were very boxy you know with the long hallway down the middle so if you can knock out some walls without affecting um major structural beams or or maybe it's worth putting in a structural beam and and, and account for the extra three or four thousand dollars that it might cost but nowadays people want openness and also um, en suites are really important too. Again, with those older houses, they only had one bathroom or they may have had two separate bathrooms. Um, people today, you know, couples, they want the ensuite. And so it's like, all right, how can, can I put in an ensuite in this house by converting one of the bedrooms and, and, and changing where the doorway is or, or, or little simple things that can be done internally with the help of a carpenter. You know, you don't need a full-scale builder to do that. Yeah. So um, when you were looking at the garage to convert into a bedroom, that's not something people think, right? The garage is separate. It's, you know, it's dirty. It's gross. It's, it's, it's like 
cold and dusty. Um, and then all of a sudden you've just converted it into a, a master bedroom. How do you think about converting garages? Like, is there a, things that we can be looking out for that are like, yes, we can do it and or no, we can't? Um, if you understand what the council, um, I guess, <clears throat> town plan is, there are rules about setbacks, um, which includes off-street parking. If you, you understand that, you would be able to look at a property and say, well, yes, I can convert that garage. Um, like in my instance, the garage was stepped down, so the concrete had to be filled by 150 mils to elevate it right. um, to bring it in line with the rest of the house. So it, it just it really depends on, on, on the property that you're looking at. Yeah. And knowing yeah, those and... things and, you know, not everyone knows that, so that's when you have to invest in a certifier before you settle if that's what you want to do too. So what do you mean by that? What, what Did you have to do that? In my case, um, I did actually, but I already owned the property. But before I did anything, I got a certifier in shortly after I moved in and I said, can I convert this or can I put a granny flat and, in the backyard? And he said, yes and yes. I thought, great. So it took me five years to do the renovations on, on this house that I'm speaking about, but it meant that I knew the end goal, what I was trying to achieve was to do a garage conversion. So when I did other works on the house, I made sure that I catered for the plumbing and that so I could do that down the track. So whenever you do a renovation, you always have the end goal in mind and then work your way backwards. Nothing worse than seeing a house where you can see they did one bathroom on one end of the house and another bathroom on the other end of the house and they look completely different and you can see that they did them five, ten years apart and there's no continuity. So, you know, always always have this end plan in your mind about what you want to do. Hmm. I, I, I want to take a step back because we're, we're, we're getting into the, the case study, which I, I don't mind, but I, I like to, I like, I'm sequence, 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 and I like structure, I like order. Is it, it's who's, uh, somebody's notifications going on. Is that your show? Is that yours? Yeah, again? that's mine, and I don't know how to switch them off. Sorry. Oh, okay, that's all right. That's all right. I don't know, maybe just, I don't, is it a, yeah, anyway, that's all right. I'll, I'll ignore that. I'll do my best. But um, so value add, what is what is your definition of value add? In Because I think that's something that not a lot of people think about. They just sort of say, I'm going to do a reno. But let's talk about what that means. Like what is value add to, to you? And how did you come up with that? So, um, well, to me, value add is just about making improvements in order to increase its value. And, you know, increasing value might only be ten dollars or $20,000. Value can also be um, the the opportunity to increase your rental yield without increasing the capital. So everyone would have a different definition of value, whether it's it's capital or cash flow. But um, yeah, so anything that improves in order to increase its value. Yeah, and I think this is where some people go one of one of two ways. They say I I want to just renovate to. Um, grow the capital, but not actually help the help the tenants and push up the rent. I think it's it's a bit of a mix of both, where you focus on investing, you know, I don't know, uh, fifty thousand dollars into a renovation, but the goal is to increase the rent, but also increase the value of of the property as well, and looking at both both edges equally. What's a, what, what would you say is a definition, Joe, of uh, increasing <laughs> the 
I suppose the value of the property without increasing the rent. Like I'm, I'm trying to think through what, what you, what that would look like. Well, I guess it's just, it's some, you can do those, you can do renovations where they, it's purely you're putting in $50,000, but that's for steps, electric roof repairs, all of these things that you can't add. It doesn't add any perceived, perceived value. It just is very expensive to fix. So look at more of, a cosmetic renovation where you're actually adding adding value through the more expensive things like your bathroom, your kitchen, those type of things. But also you can you can overcapitalize if you don't know your demographic. So this is why I think just chatting to a property manager, even if you're not even going to, well, I guess if you're not going to rent it out, um, still chat to a property manager because you want to understand the demographic of the area and what do they actually want? And you will speak to the property manager and they'll say, we need to have, um, you know, we need to have, like you're saying, Anita, um, an ensuite. There needs to be an extra bathroom in here. Otherwise no one's going to rent it. Okay. Well, now we know what we, uh, now we know what we need to put in the property. Um, so you can add different points of value, but you can overcapitalize and say, you know what, I'm going to buy a, a $50,000 kitchen. Well, the, the demographic of this area isn't $50,000 kitchen. You could put a $20,000 kitchen or a $10,000 kitchen in and uplift the value just as much. And then you don't have a sunk cost of 40 grand that's unnecessarily spent um, to try and attract a better tenant. But that better tenant doesn't actually exist in that area, especially if you're in not low socioeconomics, but lower socioeconomic groups. They don't really care about the, the whiz bang, you know, triple burner, crazy oven you'll get away with a thousand dollar oven instead of a ten thousand dollar oven mm. i don't know does that make sense what are your thoughts jeff what do you think about when it comes to value add yeah yeah i, I think don't, generally don't build a deck like this it's not, <laughs> it's not a lot it's of been uh, burned before <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah they're expensive we built a, built a deck on a, our first reno up in the newcastle area on a 300k property and the deck probably costs us 20 or thirty thousand. it's like just doesn't make any sense like i well, maybe not that much like probably 10 or 15 but yeah even even recently on our on our ppr we've got a we've got some cladding done which i don't know doesn't necessarily you're not going to be able to like that's sort of you're talking sort of 15 20 30 whatever it is like it, whatever how much it is you're not going to be able to increase the rent by 200 bucks a week you might i mean nobody i mean aesthetically it might look better but it doesn't actually um, like a kitchen or a bathroom, those are sort of very functional sort of parts or air conditioning. Um, so those are my thoughts, Joe. Just be very careful on things that you emotionally would want in your PPOR versus things that are actually valuable to the tenant and the demographic. Yeah. And Anita, what are some... I was going to say, I'd also add that, you know, people spend 80% of their time indoors. So when you're thinking about a reno, put most of the money on the inside. I mean, landscaping is important to make it safe and functional, but Mm. primarily most of the budget goes into the inside, which is your kitchens and bathrooms um, because they're the areas that people use the most. Mm. Yeah, what are some of the high-value areas that we should be focusing on if we're looking at a renovation there's a there's a question here actually this might this might tie in nicely um what is the best change to make to an old style queenslander narrow sunrooms etc um what what are your thoughts on let's say we have a a queenslander an older queenslander like what is going to be the biggest value adds that we should be turning our attention to we look on real estate we see the floor plan we see it's a little bit run down 
what are you looking at first? What are your go-to high value ads? And what are the things that you're kind of having in the back of your mind to, um, yeah, not focus on as much, ignore? Um, well, I mean, in general, it's always, you know, like the, the kitchen. The kinch- kitchen is the centre of the house. So is a kitchen in the right location? Maybe it's worth moving the kitchen to the other side of the of of the building um and 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 i guess in the case of a like really people get stressed out about oh i have to pay too much with plumbing and that when you've got a queenslander it's up in the air with floorboards it's not that hard to run some pipes underneath yeah you know the Mm. same with the bathroom it's it's not a big deal when you've got a concrete slab whereas you have to dig Mm, all of that up so anything that's on floorboards it's not a big deal. You just have to add a little bit more. But people want to see functional spaces. So if you've got a Queenslander with a sunroom, what's the purpose of that sunroom? Is it just sit there to, to sit or or can you make a, a nice little nookie or a playroom or a, a, an office or, you know, I mean, again, each property individually is going to be different, you know, has it got a step down or is it on the same level? Um, can is it got open windows or can you enclose them and put bay or put bay windows you know so many different situations but it's all about functionality people want to see that oh I didn't think of that idea you know maybe there's a staircase you know can we build build clothes in the bottom of the staircase for extra storage or, or that's where you can put your office and a desk you know make maximizing all of those um crooks and crannies in in in, in the building mm. yeah we'll get to some of these questions we keep keep them coming people there's some really really interesting ones and some i suppose controversial about return on investment and all that sort of stuff everybody talks about the 10 percent rule and making sure you're adding two dollars for every dollar you spend so they throw through those questions because I, I love to stir up a bit of controversy just a bit of i mean that's not controversy bit. it's just it's return on it but you have to you have to put you don't want to be doing a renovation where you put a dollar in and getting a dollar back it's just sinking well your mind I, I suppose there. there's some people that some people that say that they they would only do it if you're getting x amount back and some people have this other number and some people say oh only you have to yeah, keep yeah. the 10 percent yeah. has to be 10 percent. well this is actually tying into one of the next questions i was going to ask do you have a rule of thumb for how much a reno cost should be for example changing old kitchens to open space because a lot of the stuff you were just talking about can feel overwhelming for people because you're like we're going to move this kitchen here we're going to plumb the piping here like to me i just think wow that's so expensive it's going to cost a lot like how do you work out where that 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 investment comes from like how do we know that it's going to grow in value like how do you do, what are some of your rule of thumbs um well on the slide i think i've got a, a little pie oh, graph enough, there yeah. of um of percentages on your standard oh, wow. renovation let's do it bring it up jeff. There, jeff no pressure uh it here is loading here we go oh wow so, you know, the general rule is 10% of the property value. So if you've got a $500,000 property, then that gives you a budget of 50000 As you can imagine, with 50000 you can't really do a whole lot when you're talking a new kitchen and bathroom because nowadays, um, you know, your, your basic kitchen and bathroom is at least $20,000 each. Um, if it's a unit, you could probably do it. But if it's a house, um, a lot of houses have really poor landscaping and that, and you need to set aside a budget for that, which a lot of people don't do. So you've got to look at the end value. And with any renovation that I do, I look at 
what are comparable sales on the market of renovated properties and then what are the values of properties that are unrenovated and how much money can I add value to. So whilst the rule might be 10%, if I'm buying a house at just say 700000 but the renovated properties that are done well are selling for 900000 well, I know that instead of 10% of 700000 is 70, I can stretch myself to 100 and 120 and still make 80%, um, $80,000, sorry, in profit. So everyone will have a different tolerance to their return on investment. I like to hope that I can double it, like two to one. So if I'm spending $50,000, I would like a margin of $50,000 extra to make it worth it my time. But if you're holding the property, sometimes it doesn't matter. As long as you know you're getting a tenant in there and you're minimising all the maintenance issues, mm. even if you don't have a return on investment, you're doing it just for the equity uplift and, and just to make the property livable. So everyone has a different reason, but the general rule of thumb is 10%, and, and, and that's what I would use as the basis of the split, 3% for bathroom, 3% for kitchen, 2.5% for your flooring, painting, um, lights, fittings, door handles and whatnot, and um, being a house, the landscaping, you know, grass, plants, that, that sort of thing. That's it. That's a good amount for for, for landscaping because I, I'd say with that's what, on a on a fifty k, so what, what's that fifty k seven and a half yeah seven and a half thousand that's sort of yeah it's well, I suppose not too bad but I just I, I just think when I, when I think of garden I'm like the the tenant's going to have to then maintain that and then it's yeah I don't know often tenants don't always maintain the gardens particularly when there's not really unless they're house proud but yeah that's interesting. Yeah, but I can tell you out of the three houses that I've owned, I've spent more on the outside of the house than I have on the inside. I had <laughs> to. We had filthy big gum trees or palm trees, asbestos fences that needed replacing, plumbing that needed to be ripped up and redone on the outside like sewerage. Um, you know, you want to build the deck. Well, you know, your deck's $20,000. It's nearly more than the kitchen just for the deck. So it's this is where a lot of people miss, um, you know, their budgets is is allowing for the outside and, and sometimes it's just a, something you have to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and I find that interesting that you're saying there is kind of, it sounds like you're saying you need to tailor the renovation to what the desired outcome you're wanting from it because yes. you're saying, hey, you can renovate to flip and renovate to sell um, or you can renovate to hold and you, you don't, you don't need that capital value because you, you're spot on. Like uh, what I always say to investors that, that I work with is that you're trying to, you, you have two resources. You have your cash flow and equity, sorry, your cash and equity. Um, and then you have your borrowing capacity. And then your goal is to attack the one that you don't have a lot of. So if you need to grow that capital base, like you were talking about at the beginning, Anita, probably what this this property that you that we're going to go into has been for you is you need to build that capital base a lot now because you're you're doing it by yourself. So you want to 
get as much equity as possible out of it. Um, you're also thinking about cash flow, but you're the, is that the main purpose of this one? Maybe we should jump into it. For me personally, no, it wasn't about capital. No. It's about cash okay. flow. Okay. Yeah, it was. So, yeah, we we yeah we did we did actually have a conversation prior. This I think this one's an interesting one. Um, yeah. Any tips to any tips to renovate to refinance and go again? What's your experience with that, Anita? Have you done much of that or? And that's exactly what Joe was talking about. Is when you're trying to. Um, achieve an uplift in the equity so that way when you go to the bank and refinance they're going to say fantastic you've done a renovation you know it costs fifty thousand dollars but let's just say it's worth a hundred thousand dollars more you're not selling that property but the value is going to say okay well you've got a hundred thousand dollars more you can uh, withdraw 80% of that. So that's $80,000. And that $80,000 constitutes, you know, like a 10% deposit on your next property. Yeah. Or it's always subject to, subject to borrowing capacity, of course. You can't just say, oh, it looks of great. Course. So I think it's yeah. important you you work in tandem with, with your broker for a start. But also I, I think that the challenge is actually getting a quantifiable number as to how much, Equity, how much equity you're going to create by doing the renovation? So I think you you have to, if you're going to do this, and the intent is to pull out equity, I think you need to really under really understand comparables in the market. Back to your point, you spoke about sort of five or ten minutes ago. If you don't, right. if you just yeah, if you just do it and, and assume that because you put a nice kitchen in, put a nice bathroom, that you're going to get an extra seventy eighty thousand, there might be a property down the road that's sold for twenty thirty more thousand than yours that already had that nice kitchen. So the, the value is going to look at that and say, well, okay, yeah, it's a nice kitchen. Great. I'd cook myself a steak in it or, or a schnitzel, whatever it is. Just cook myself nice. Have a barbecue, whatever it is, maybe in the kitchen. But however, there's a property down the road that sold recently for, you bought it for 500, you did a reno and, and one down the road sold for 530. So why is this particular reno you've done here any better than that? So it's all about comparables, I think, to some to a large degree. Definitely, completely agree. Because, and this is one of my bugbears where you watch all these renovating shows on the block and whatever. It's like, yeah, let's do a renovation. We're going to add value to our property. And guess what? Either one, they've got no experience. Two, they don't know what they're doing. Three, they've got really bad taste and they do some bodgy job that buyers don't like and they don't make money. And then they cry poor and blame the real estate agent for not getting them the price that they think they should get but they didn't actually look at what the market was doing at that time. And if they're buying mm. in a declining market, doing a renovation, well, of course they're going to get less money. Yeah. yeah. It's, well, it's, it's where um, it's important to know the, the, the market that you are buying in and, and comparable sales. Yeah, we're starting to see that at the moment now um, out there in the market. There are deals that, that are being resold by um, investors or by you know, owner-occupiers that have overpaid. Um, you know, six months ago they purchased it for five hundred thousand. It's now worth four hundred and four hundred eighty, um, which comes down to buying well. You know, that person wouldn't be in trouble if they bought it at you know four fifty like they should have done when they when they now buying it. Um, Maybe four hundred eighty to five hundred. Yeah, Sorry, that's it's an in joke. He doesn't. Yeah. Um, so on to should we talk about we should talk about the uh, we should talk about the property because yep. yes. we promised the renovation bonanza. Let's uh, let's get into we'll, we'll get through that let's, and we'll let's go on, yeah man. let's do it. So tell us about the property. I'm going to oh, hang on before we do that. No, I was going to say let's do this. <laughs> 
This live session is sponsored by Scott Agate from Hello House. Scott has created the world's first property negotiation as a service business. So what does that mean? Well, let's think about it. When was the last time you negotiated on anything over $100, let alone a property that is going to be one of the biggest investments of your life? The vendor, they have a trained negotiator on their side in the form of a real estate agent. That's kind of like you stepping into the ring with Mike Tyson after never training a day of boxing in your life. These guys are trained professionals and that's what they do day in and day out. And this is what Hella House does every single day as well. They negotiate on property to get the best buy price from the real estate agents. Scott Agate, he's the expert negotiator. He has been in this industry since 1995. He owned and operated three Bell franchises. Scott was the guy that was teaching these real estate agents all these agent games. He knows all of their tricks. Having him on your side is going to give you a massive unfair advantage and literally save you tens of thousands of dollars. Unlike other ways of purchasing property, Scott's incentives are aligned with you, the buyer, meaning the more money he saves you, the more money he makes, which is what you want. You need to have those incentives aligned. Scott has kindly offered our group a massive discount on the retainer fee for his service. So if you're looking to buy your next home or investment property, click the link below to get in touch. We are back. Let's let's do it. Let's let's dive into this property in. Uh, would you say it's uh, southeast Queen? I think it's southeast Queensland. Yeah, it is definitely mm, Gold Coast. Gold Coast. Yeah, I did. I didn't want to get too specific. I just wasn't wasn't sure okay. what we should, how how far we should be talking to it. So, well, this this is the this is the beauty of renovation. It doesn't really matter too much about where it is. Obviously, you want to be going in a market that's growing, but you're you're the one that's forcing the value. So you can be doing this strategy in any market. If you're doing it in a growing market, yeah, it's going to work out better because the market's growing. Um, but you're the one that forced the value. So you're the one that's in control of the equity and the growth. Um, sorry, but let's do it. What do we got here, Anita? Okay, so when I was looking for the property, which was early last year, I had a budget to work with approximately 500000 So I had to make a decision on what I was going to buy, whether it was going to be a unit townhouse or a duplex because there's quite a few duplexes around the area. And um, so that's why I've got there. The average two-bed, one-bath, one-garage duplex was selling about 510 540 which was a bit above my budget. But when I was looking at units and townhouses, I thought, oh, this is too hard, you know, to, to add value to um, and, and get good return. And I fortunately found this particular property um, by accident. I, I rang the agent about another property and he said, look, I've got this one coming up. Um, it's I can't take photos of it because it's in really oh. bad condition. I've got My tenants in there who aren't great. They were hoarders. Um, but I'm doing an open home on Saturday if you want to have a look. And so I did and wasn't a pleasant property. Um, <laughs> I pretty much was the only offer except apparently there were first home buyers, but they couldn't buy without vacant possession. And because the lease wasn't due to expire till September, that kind of put them out of the uh. out of the the buying competition. So it was essentially me. Wow. So at that time, the market was pretty hot. Um, the agent advertised offers over 470, which, you know, annoys me because I call that bait advertising. Um, there was quite a few people who went through the property. But in the end, I managed to negotiate to sell, uh, to buy it 
which I think will take it to the next slide. Just quickly, when you say, what, what, what do you think offers, uh, I mean, maybe I'm poking a, a, a sore point here, but offers, what do you think offers over 470 is a, is a bait advertising? Did you think it was too low or did you? What yeah, you too low. Like my understanding of the New South Wales um, uh, rental market is there's actually legislation that you have to have CMAs to show that you're within 10% of what the actual selling price is. If South Australia, be, No, New South Wales, Sydney. So if you're seen to be putting a price considerably under what um, you anticipate it to sell for, you know, as an agent, you can get in big trouble. And so to me, for when I knew that properties were over 500,000, why would you put offers over 470? Because you're going to get 20 people through the door. 18 of them aren't going to be able to afford it. The two of them will that can afford it are going to see all this competition and they're going to bid up. Exactly. Um, it's the, the the sad truth of it. Um, okay, so I'm looking at this deal just on a face value perspective, um, and you're at a well, I don't know what you've purchased it for, but at, at 470, our yield is 3.39, percent. Um, so I was not looking um, look, not looking too crash hot on the face value of it. Obviously, we haven't seen the property and all of that good stuff. You've got hoarders in. It sounds a bit difficult. Um, they're not giving you photos. You haven't got access to the property. This sounds like a problem um, that is in, in need of a solution. Um, one thing I wanted to go back to is you said, oh, the agent just called me and told me about the properties. How did you get that call? How did you get on the no, list? I called him. So oh. I was looking at another property and he said, sorry, it's just gone under, yeah. um, you know, there's already an offer on it. And I told him what I was looking for and he said, oh, I've got this other property um, coming up. And, look, you know, call this woo-woo, but I'm going to tell you the reason why I bought this property. Um, <laughs> I'm a big believer of manifesting things in the universe and and, and all of that. And without giving you the address of the property, but, you know, unit one and two being a duplex, like one is my lucky number um, and so is the house number. The name of the street is the same as my mother. So wow. it was just like, okay, it's it's mine. It's mm. the numbers and my family name, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's there, it's mine and, and it was like a, you know, a sign from God, if you want to call it that. So Love it. people, you know, like I said, woo-woo, but it's held me in good stead by following my instincts and, and, and signs about what is it that I'm buying and the reason why I'm buying it and, and not letting it go. Yeah. So where do we get to with this one? So offers over 470, that's bait advertising. The reason you knew that was bait advertising is because you were on the market, keeping your finger on the pulse saying, well, yes, yeah, advertised for 470. And I, and I get this a lot as well. Offers over 470, but you know, the value of it is 485 or 520 or whatever that number is. And you just don't go above that number. You set that number of this is what this property is worth. My goal is to get anything less than that. But once it goes over, I'm not emotional. Sorry, I got to go. Um, and then you leave leave the deal. Um, That's right. I'd seen quite a few different duplexes. I'd been to an auction for a duplex that was in mm -hmm. relatively poor condition, and that went for five fifteen. So I knew what oh, the comparable wow. sales were doing. Okay, they all so, had a five in front of it. Love it. Okay, next slide. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up this comment from 
Rebecca, she said, had an agent knock on the door on a birthday and offer a cheap house. Is it a was it a birthday present, Rebecca, or did they Sounds did like they it. know it was your birthday? Like it comes about yeah. when you have a reputation of buying cheap, difficult houses. Yeah, interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Gonna, There's you know, another that's... sign for you. <laughs> it's your birthday. Cash, cash is king. When people know you've got cash to spend, I thought the Sydney was going to come to you first. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, this is this is the uh, this is the story. So you end up buying offers over four seventy. Well, you didn't sell that much over because that's well, yeah, that's five percent. I mean, uh, yeah, might, you might have negotiated well, but I that, did negotiate that... well. Um, yeah. So I, I signed a contract at four ninety two, and then I did the build and pest report, which I knew was going to come up with lots of <laughs> issues anyway. Um, so especially plumbing issues, but they weren't the plumbing issues that ended up being plumbing issues. Um, and so I managed to negotiate another $5,000 off. So essentially that was 487,000 that I paid for the property. Wow. Nice. So 487, just on the purchase cost is a 3.8% yield on that. Um, oh. What a cracking price, but you've also got it. You know, it's, it's, let's just say it's value is 510. You've got 20 grand sat there um, in your back pocket as equity. That's right. And I knew that the property was rented under market value. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I bought on the proviso that if I can hold out the mortgage payments for, for the next, you know, four to six months, then I knew I could get a better return. So it would be equivalent to approximately 5%. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Nice. Okay. Love that. What a return. Um, What's next? How did you, I wanted to know, how did you sort of, um, how, how did you, did you sort of have a, have a feel as to what the property would, the value of the property and how did you determine that based on other comparables, I imagine? But this is where it's really important that, and, and Joe would know this, is having boots on the ground. Like I, I six weeks, every Saturday I would be there looking at four, five, six properties every weekend mm. and, and during the week as well. So when yeah. you've got boots on the ground, you know what the comparable sales are doing. You can go on realestate.com and see what the rental returns are doing. So when you have that knowledge and you walk into something and you can see, hmm, this place has got potential, then you know you've got a good deal. Yeah, it actually it, it makes things. You, you can literally you can you can look at a property because you looked at so many and on the same even on the same street around the sort of corner, and you just say, well, I know that that price is is a is a steal. I just got to figure out how I get to it before the other twenty people get to it before me. So, did you did you sort of um, did you have to did you buy this sort of pre market or off market? Or was it already? It was it was on the market, but I bought the dud. I bought what everyone else didn't want to touch. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, well, it's when, you like, what, when you've got what? dogs peeing on the carpet and the stench oh, is excruciating. That is, like, that yeah, you got to get a clean to that. And the backyard really? was a schmozzle with lots of damage oh. as well. Like when you've got that, no one without skill is going to tackle that. Mm, exactly, so, and and that's the beauty of it. It's it's removed all the premium owner occupier appeal properties, right? Uh, sorry, buyers like they want that. Oh, I want they they're going to want what you build at the end of this, and that sucks to do. You've got to tear up all the carpets, you've got to do the renovation, but you're now getting paid for that hard work. You've turned a problem into a into a solution. That's it. Yeah. 
And that property was an example of what I call a slumlord. So right. I, yeah. I saw the opportunity to capitalise on that, to take a property that was neglected for so long and, you know, make a mark on it and, and hopefully bring it back to life. Well, let's talk about the renovation itself. Um, what, what does that, that, that look like? Do we have any pictures of the property as well? Yep, they're coming oh, up. Oh, cool. Oh, here we go. Okay, what's this? So, you know, when when I talked about that circle of the renovation costs, about 10%, I did manage to keep it to about 10%. But in my instance, um, you know, over half, over 50% was just outside. Wow. And this is why I said you've got to know what it is you're buying and, and really look at it. Um, but I knew that inside... But once the tenant moved out and I looked at it, I could see that it wasn't as bad as what I thought it was once the tenants got rid of all their junk. Yeah. Um, and, the, and this is in September, isn't it? So you bought it in March. It then no, settled. no, it was in May, Joe. No, it settled in May, but I bought settled it in, in March. Yeah. Yep. And then from there, it's got you've got to wait. You've, you, there's nothing you can do. You just sit on it from May to September. Um, waiting for the tenant. Were you thinking about asking for an extended settlement period so that they the the because the rent's not going to cover the mortgage on there? Did you have that? No, I, I, I couldn't get rid of the tenant. Um, I had a really poor property manager. It was really, really badly, badly <laughs> um, run, and yeah. it was like, okay, I've just got to wait this one out till September and then give the t tenants notice to leave. I just, yeah, I just no, saw what this, I mean, this is what, oh, sorry, what yeah. I mean with just on that is um, when you, you can ask for a 90 day settlement and then you've got an extra, so you can ask for a 30 day, a 60 day, a 90 day, 120 day, but then that means that the, the vendor keeps the property and is, is responsible for everything. So you could have extended it out to September. Maybe that's a bit more of a stretch. Um, and then you're not responsible for anything that happens at that property from, that time till settlement. Whereas when you settle, it's hundred percent yours from May to September. So if you went for a 90 day settlement, you would have had an extra 60 days of not having to pay the mortgage because the rent's only 360, but the mortgage would be a lot more than that. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're I'm a good sure salesperson, Joe, but I'm, if I'm an investor, mate, if I'm getting rid of this problem, why, why would I want to extend a settlement? I don't want to extend a settlement. Mm -hmm. I, I want rid of these. Exactly. I want rid of these tenants that have got dogs peeing on the floor. If, if you if you want to buy this property, you got to buy it off me in, in 30 days or, or 42 mm -hmm. days. I'm not giving yep. you 90 days, then I have to pay yep. the interest. If you pay me 500,000, you can you can you, yep. I'll give you a 90 day settlement. Yeah, perfect. And, and that's and exactly worth. And in this instance, he wanted yep. a quick sale, so it's like yep. that's fine. Just stand 30 days and exactly. And this is and this is where you can get caught up of saying this is what I want, and this is what the vendor wants, and you're not kind of matching. The, there's no alignment there. You've got to align what the vendor wants and what you want. But think yeah. about those for anyone else out there thinking about a, a bad renovation that needs some work, but there's a tenant in place. The longer the settlement that you can get, the generally the better it is. And some investors don't care. I've owned this property for 50 years. There's no mortgage on it. I don't care if I wait another 60 days. Um, so yeah, always have that conversation because you can save thousands of dollars by doing it. And it's these little, little things. And I'm sure we're talking about them right now. Insurance payment, $12,000. It's the little things that you don't think about that can actually help, help come along. But what, what is that? How did you, how did you get that payment? Yeah. So, you know, when you've been doing this a few times, you can be a little bit strategic in what you do. Like 
I I knew that the tenants, like my instinct told me the tenants had done damage to the property (laughs) as well as it being in poor condition. And so, and, and the other thing to keep in mind too, when it comes to tax deductions, a lot of people ask about, oh, well, you know, is is my renovation tax deductible? And and if you've just bought a property from settlement and renovate, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. It forms part of the capital value. But if the property is already tenanted and then you have to do a renovation, there's a, and, yes, there's a disclaimer, <laughs> Um, a, a, a portion of what you do can be claimed as maintenance and repairs and then the other portion is considered capital improvements. So in what I did, it was a mixture of two. But because I knew that the tenants had not lived in the property well and my new property manager that I had um, ensured that I had good coverage with Terry Shear, who I have to say absolutely wonderful, um, then I knew that I could claim a, a component in insurance. I will say that I got way more on insurance than I was expecting to. So hang yeah. on, I, I, I'm still lost. So how did how'd you get 12 grand from insurance when you, so yeah, talk me through the process because you settled on it, it's yours, the tenant's done damage previously. It's not your damage because you bought the property for, at face value at 487. So it's not really your money to claim, but you claimed it and you got it. How does this, how does it work? Well, when you buy a property, you inherit the liability and also the benefits. So the tenant is under a lease and Mm -hmm. when that lease started they started with a condition report so if you suspect that that condition report is not going to be favorable from when the tenant leaves then you as the landlord are there who have to 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 claim on any of the damage that they've done right so you had an entry report from five years ago from yep. the current property manager. Um, and what was some of the damage? And $12,000 just seems like a lot of money. Um, should well, we look that's at some I said, I've got more than I thought. So, yeah. you know, for example, walls, you know, um, you can only claim from the tenant to, to repaint three or four of the walls, but I made a choice to repaint the whole internal and external. Don't ask me why. But the insurance paid for the whole bloody lot. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Terry. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the tenants damaged the bench top. Well, I didn't end up changing the bench top. I will change the bench top, but the insurance cup, um, insurance paid for a new bench top. Maybe, uh, maybe just uh, keep keep some of these things under your hat, and you just you, know, you might you might get a call from Snob oh, about that uh, bench top. Eh? They were that they were all legal and and all like I I don't do I never do anything that is what I would call fraudulent. Um, you always work within the scope of what your policy allows. Um, you know the the tenants had cracked a couple of tiles. They didn't pay for that but there was um, a couple of blinds that were broken. They paid for those two blinds. The carpet was peed on, as as I told you. You know, they paid for one room of carpet. I paid for two. So as you can see, you know, I spent $43,000 in total. They only paid like a quarter of that. So but so, when you yeah. – sorry. No, no. Uh, yeah, go on. So it's just a matter of understanding of what you think you can claim and what you can't. 
And mm. um, in this instance, as I said, they paid a little bit more than than I anticipated because they saw that by having to paint three or four walls, I had to do the rest. They decided mm. to pay all of it. So I wouldn't did, say so that you, happened you didn't. You didn't even. You didn't even ask for that. They just said, "Oh, we're going to pay." Like, how did how did you go about getting? Like, what did they decide to pay for versus not pay? So in my instance, the property manager that I had at the time was, if I can say, useless and huh. said that I wouldn't get anything out of insurance and, you know, pretty much that the, the tenants done what they've done, move on. And I said, no, that's not going to happen. And, and then, of course, the property manager decided to have booked their holidays for three weeks at the same time and left me with this property. So it's like I took charge of everything. So I'm the one who does the renovations. I do all the planning. I don't give it to someone else to project manage. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't give it to a property manager to project manage my renovation if it's local. Um, I always take charge of it. And so by doing that, it meant I got to take every single photo of every single problem, take uh -huh. notes and whatnot, and I lodged the application to the insurance company. Had I left that with the property manager, I probably wouldn't have got much money. But because I went into very fine detail and, and filled out the, the, the report and, and communicated with the insurance company closely, I didn't need even an assessor to go out there. They just said, look, you know, well done. You've given us a really, you know, thorough brief of everything that's happened and how it's happened and why it's happened and what you've done to, to cover it. And, and the benefit too is they pay for the loss of rent while you're doing the renovation. So if you're getting okay, paid well, for that. At what stage do they say, though, oh, look, you, you're sort of taking the mickey here. Like if you say you're taking three months on a reno, like I mean, what are they, is there, a, there's, there'd be a limit with, I mean, obviously the PDS, but what do they sort of say, the product disclosure statement, what did they say about that? I don't know about timing, but you've got to yeah. make fair and reasonable attempts to do it in a, you know, amount of time. Now, as you know, to order things like carpet and blinds in the current time. market, yeah, there's a lead time of at least two and three weeks. Mm. And that's what I did. And by the time you book the trades in, like one, you've got to wait for the materials to come in and then you have to book the trades in, that ends up being about four weeks. So, yeah, I ended up getting rental payment reimbursement. I think it ended up being four and a half weeks. And they don't pay to when the tenant moves in. They pay to when the property becomes available. So that mm. means the day you give it to the property manager to stick up on realestate.com being available, that's the day that the insurance company pay to. Love it. Okay, well, let's um dive into some of the photos of what this thing is. I feel like we've been we've been teasing it for for, for long enough, and I'm just cautious of time here. For an hour as well. fifteen, we've started. Yeah, that's that's just that's a great tip though. I, I want I wanted to because it's not something I'd ever really thought about. I mean, I haven't done I haven't done seven renos, but I just think that's I don't know that many people would be. I mean, obviously, the really sophisticated re renovators would know that that you could sort of. Um, if you've got a, a property that's damaged, you could potentially sort of claim some of that on insurance. So mm. just, yeah. This is the have second you... time I've done it too. <laughs> the other time I got a new bathroom. So, you know. Wow. There you go. Um, and you might know that, Joe, but, I mean, Joe, Joe knows a lot of things. That, that uh... So let's go. Here we go. Case study duplex. 
in Orndell or Arndell. I don't know which it's called. Arundel. Arundel. There you go. I butchered. Yeah, it's a funny way to do that. So t- talk, talk to. So on the before you had the you had a lot of clutter there. It's funny you got the before on the right and the the after on the left. Usually most people I like how you've done it a little bit differently. So tell tell us about the garden and landscaping. Um, look, yeah, there was a, a lot of clutter. This makeshift concrete wall that was all wobbly. Um, all the guttering garage door and that they're this navy blue color, um, which I didn't like. Along the the left-hand side of the fence line was a a pretty dodgy um, little retaining wall fence with odd sods of plants. So I just wanted to take that out, extend the grass line and just put a pretty little small garden at the front and then paint everything black. Yeah. Because black is more modern and stylish. Mm. And then I talked to the neighbour as well and she was happy to change it as well. So that, that worked out really well. She ended up painting her garage door and guttering black as well a couple of months later. Yeah, it looks, looks really schmick. I, I, I like how, how much did the, uh, the, the outdoor sort of paint, I mean, you might, how much did the outdoor painting cost? You probably got this in the numbers. Yeah, look, um, the outdoor was approximately 4500 by memory. Okay. It's not too bad. But you'll see in the backside that I did a, a lot of, I put a lot of black in everywhere and, I, you know, <laughs> I actually really like it. Because yeah. before it was like khaki poo brown colour. <laughs> so. Khaki <laughs> poo. So let's, let's go. Oh, so it's cleaned it up. It's just clean and crisp. Oh, wow. Up. Wow. What are we this? So we're. So in the back, the concrete was breaking in the middle, um, like it was a tripping hazard. Yep. Um, so as I, I agonised over it, but I had no choice but to rip up all the concrete, and that in itself was over $10,000 just for the wow. concreting. Um, just the, and that oh, was get... all, Sorry? Wow. Wait, so you ripped up the contract and then, and then had to retile it? Or re-concrete? That's concrete with a stencil on the top. Oh, wow. So you had to so re all that garden got ripped up. All the tree stumps had to be lifted out because they were getting into the plumbing and, and breaking the concrete and everything. So all of that got pulled up. Wow. Wow. And and I see you, I with the uh, with that sort of garden, you you um, you painted the the sort of wooden, you didn't actually, did you change that whole sort of yep. timber bit Everything there? got pulled out. Oh, I ended okay. up putting concrete sleeper on sleepers on the side and I narrowed the garden. So in the before photo, you could see the orange sleepers. They were probably a metre from the fence line, whereas I brought the um, retaining wall into about, I don't know, 400 mil from the fence line. Mm, I see. There, um, there was a dodgy little fence there at the front, like gate, and I put a new gate in as well. So that's mm. a new black gate. Before it was just a, a half-broken wire gate. Unfortunately, sometimes photos don't do things justice. Yeah, and there's retaining walls that look to be a bit of an issue. The the bottom two photos, the before, looks very mouldy and gross and, and eaten up. Um and then after, so is that a brand new retaining wall that you had to pay for? No, it's actually the old one, but I just painted it black and filled in the back and put in some nice hedges, which eventually will grow. 
Um, so I just painted everything black. And so between the retaining wall and, and the small concrete sleepers and and the walls underneath, I don't know if you can see on the before side where the window is, it's that brownie colour. Um, I said to the painter, what if we keep the pergola the same colour? Because I was going to paint the pergola black <laughs> and then the walls um, like a light cream colour. And that was going to take too long. So we decided to flip it and keep the pergola the same colour and um, and paint the walls black. And, yeah, it, it actually looks really stunning. Did you get rid of the garden shed? Yes, yeah, that, that was rusty, couldn't even open it. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah, there you go. But, yeah, that's the thing. Someone's – look, that retaining wall is probably structurally fine, but to replace that is probably five $6,000. And all you've done here is cleaned it up, painted it, probably um, knocked away any of the, the, the bad bits, and it looks beautiful. looks absolutely brand new, um, and that's all that matters. As long as it's functional, safe, and structurally sound and looks good, it's going to make a massive difference to that backyard, and it has. That's it. And I didn't yeah. replace all of the grass. I only replaced half of the grass, hence why it looks a bit patchy because it was mm. in the Brand heat of summer trying to get everything to grow and stay green. Mm. Okay. There you next? go. Next up we have the inside. So you, you got uh, got rid of the tiles and, and put some, what do you say, what is, that, is that lino? Or... Mm, vinyl vinyl planks. planks. And I didn't actually get rid of the tiles. Like At the beginning... I had them professionally um, cleaned and, and, and uh, the grout cleaned um, to try and get rid of that dog smell and the years of grease and grime, and, and, and certainly that helped. But towards the end of the renovation, once I painted and everything, I, I just looked at the property thinking, God, it's still got terracotta tiles. It's, it's daggy. You know, I want to make this as modern and as clean as possible for my tenants to attract the top dollar. And so, you know, I made the decision to lay vinyl um, in the property, which includes the bathroom as well, as you'll see. And, you know, that cost an extra $4,000. But I believe that, you know, it'll be long-term a huge return on investment. Yeah, it makes it look very modern, very renovated. Yeah, and it's easy to keep clean. I, I've got them in my own home and, you know, you can wash the floor once a month and you still can't see the dirt. Mm. Let's do it. What's next? Here you go. Oh, here we go. So we've got the the kitchen in, and the and the hallway. So you can sort of see the before you've got, yeah, I can see you've, I'm just trying to think, what did you, you change the bench tops by looks of it? Oh, in the, in... sorry, I got those photos back to front. Sorry, I just realised now. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> my apologies. Thinking, so the kitchen. And you've done a worse job on this one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the kitchen was functional. There was a bit of damage, like the cabinets were a bit out of whack, so I had to shave the doors down um, and had to fix the down lights up because they were a bit broken. But otherwise, and look, it, it pains me that there was no dishwasher, but I couldn't reconfigure the cabinets to fit a dishwasher in. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to leave it for now and put that on the on the plan to do in two or three years' time, you know, mm. depending on the feedback of the tenants. Um, so I just got the painter to, to paint the skirtings and essentially paint the walls and, and you can see what a huge difference it makes together with the floors. So why didn't you paint the, the cabinets? 
I mean, that's that's kind of a go-to for a lot of lot of renovators. It's like always paint the cabinets, always paint the cabinets. Um, so I'm surprised to see that it's not it's not done on this one. Because they were a natural timber-looking cabinet, and you had white walls, why do it? Like natural timber and black look good. Yep, love it. Yeah, yeah. Next, next up, I think we might have the going to say bedroom, but no, it looks like the bathroom. This is so again. I think you've got the I don't know, you've you've got the after this time on there. Oh, so this these is, vinyl planks went through the bathroom. Um, yes. how do they go with like? Have you got special water ones in the in the bathroom? No, vinyl planks are actually pretty pretty sturdy. I mean, look, it's it's not the optimum thing to do in the bathroom, but um, like you can put a steam mop on vinyl planks. You can't on laminated timber. And so, you know, that was, again, just a decision I had to make, like to have continuity through the property. Um, I researched what people have done in the past and a lot of people commented that you know you could put vinyl in wet areas so that's what i did maybe it'll yeah. come back and bite me on the bum later who knows but um, well and also like it's a very it's a very small space and it will last it'll last a, a good little while and but if you go for the super cheap vinyl planks um so that in bunnings you can get I can't remember the prices, but just affordable, affordable vinyl planks, and they're just absolute rubbish. If you get somewhat decent ones, they they are very hard wearing, very strong, and last bloody ages. So you, you you'll probably be fine for a number of years. That's right. And see, the other thing to keep in mind is I didn't replace the bathroom. I didn't really do anything again yeah. except for paint. So I know that should I renovate that bathroom in four or five years' time without having to rip up the vinyl in the rest of the house, all I have to do is jackhammer that area where the bathroom is and just replace that section with proper tiles. Mm. Um, I'll also add that when I bought this property, it's got a really big laundry, which I haven't posted pictures of, but um, the laundry is just opposite the hallway. So there's a little toilet room and then there's the laundry. Um, that laundry is big enough to make into another bathroom. So if I reconfigured it, that bathroom there would become the ensuite and then the laundry would become the bathroom. Right. So I've just added capital value by doing that reconfiguration, adding another bathroom to the property. Massive well, value. I do love, do love value add. So after bed bed one, so you put some cut. Actually, you've got rid of the carpet and put tiles in. Gosh, I must have been asleep oh, when sorry. I did this. Sorry, oh, I've yeah, got it back in front yeah. again. So I'm that's underneath yeah. the carpet. Okay, bedroom one is the top one, bedroom two is the bottom one, and they're reversed. So look to the left to what it was and look to the yeah, right of what sorry. it is. Um, so that, that top one is under where so the they've dogs ripped have up the carpet. all over the carpet. Yeah. It's kind like, of like plasterboard or something, it looks like. Is that underlay? Yeah, what is that? That's the underlay. That that shows all the urination stains. Like it was horrible. I, I rolled that carpet up myself and threw it out. Oh, I didn't. Right. No one else had touched it. <laughs> Pay somebody to get that to do that for me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I really love what you've done there in the in the bedrooms. You've got some really sort of uh, schmick and sort of neutral carpets, and I can sort of see. It looks like you've, yeah. It, it just looks. It looks uh, more more functional. Um, I think. Well, no, just functional. It matches so the rest of the house as well. Um, right. And it just like you walk, you walk into that bedroom, 
and you see the pea stained carpets and you're like this is disgusting why would i put my children here and then you walk into this one it's washed the flooring and then laid carpet which was done Have we lost show? I think we I think we lost him. Are you still you still you you're there, Anita? I'm still here. Okay, yeah, that's show. So yeah, anyway, so looks like yeah, you've you've um you've really I suppose brought up these these two. I mean, you had to do something with the two beds. So is is there anything else you can sort of talk to that you did in these bedrooms or needed to do apart from the the floor flooring? Um, I didn't do anything to the wardrobes. I didn't put yeah. new doors on or anything like that, just painted um, inside. Um, throughout the property, though, I did put new ceiling fans in and um, and down lights. So, yeah, I mean, they haven't come up in the picture, but, like, I spent, you know, that extra money by making sure there was fans and new handles on the doors and just, just little things like that so it was clean yeah. because they were old and rubbishy. That's, re that's really important because, I mean, it, it's those impressions. I, I know your, your, your purpose wasn't necessarily to get um, an increase in equity, but, but I think as a value goes into a place, if you just some, I mean, unfortunately, valuation isn't necessarily a, a, a science. Sometimes it's more of an art. You go into a place and they just get the impression that they see a, a, a an odd sort of doorknob here or there, and they just say, I mean, it can potentially make an impact. You're back, Joe. I'm back, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Well, virtual staging. What, what did you um, – talk us through this. Like, What did you um, – you get some virtual so... – after I did the renovation, I, um, I, by the way, I should say in this time I employed a new property manager. I got rid of the old one. I managed the renovations. I engaged a new property manager um, and, you know, communicated with her and I said, look, you know, I want to get top dollar for this. And originally I thought I could get five forty five fifty rent and Naomi said to me, I reckon you could get five. 580, 590. And it's like, really? Ooh. <laughs> so that's what we did. We went for 590 and I said, look, I'll pay a little bit of extra money for some staging um, because I think that certainly attracts people to come to look mm. at the property, even though when they see it, it's obviously empty. Um, but it gives people an idea spatially how much they can fit in there. And, you know, for the sake of $30 a photo, I think it certainly paid off. And, uh, and we had yeah. some really good um, uh, response, you know, people coming to, to the opens for the rental. Wow. Okay. Um, so it's $30 a photo. You got, what, 10 photos? Um, so three. No, only two. I just did one of the main bedroom and one of the living. It's sufficient. It gives, <laughs> it gives people an idea yeah. um, of what's possible. Like it, it's just to get people's creative juices and, and and vision going but you don't have to do it for every room i mean that's overcapitalizing wow. especially on a rental <laughs> I, 
I'd probably be okay with spending an extra. If, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I like the deluxe. Very efficient. You spent sixty dollars. Here's me. Yeah, here's me spending three hundred bucks. You're on sixty. I like it. <laughs> All about that cash flow. And I've got so, marketing photos for life now. You know. You do. Yeah. 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 yeah and you me. can sell it, and you're good to go. Yeah, I love it. So tell us this. This is uh. This been so. Tell us about the outcome. Here we go. So the current market value. When we say current market, are we talking Jan uh, March. Or February 2023. When when was this sort of? I would say today. If I put that property on the market much. today, yep. I'm somewhat confident that I could get anywhere between 540 and 560. Yep. So not not offers <laughs> over five uh, 520. We could no. do offers over 520, but you know, if it sells for 600, I might get in trouble for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, great, and I, I think the the purpose of yours was the rental return. Which, how, how what was did did you um did you find out the market rents prior to the um, because you said it was under um, under rented. How much should it have been rented for before you took took it over? And so probably the market rent, like the first property manager was saying, oh, leave it be. You know, people will be grateful to have a roof over their head. Yada 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 which I don't subscribe to, and, and I think then it probably would have been about going up, Inflation's going up. I mean, yeah, I, 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 we all got costs. We've got mouse to feed. Look, my, my motto is if I wouldn't live in it myself, I don't expect anyone else to. Mm. Well, that's that. taken it from a 3.8% yield, which is what you had, 3.8. Um, and on co- on the purchase price, if you get it at 590 a week, um, that's a 6.2% yield. Um, yeah. Unreal. So what was the total purchase? So what was the total rental co- re- reno cost that you put in there? Um, so it was, what, 43000 but then based on the money that I got back in the bond and the insurance company, it was pretty much 30000 So we say five ten all in with your renovation cost and that's a six percent yield 520 so let's say it's worth 520 5.9 percent yeah. yield amazing amazing results yeah that's that's how to, that's how to reno and, and how to identify an opportunity as well because a, a, a bit of a bit of an under underserved sort of I think that because I think even now there would be properties out there I we, we see them day in day out there's many properties that uh, have, have haven't had the rent increase for three, two to three to four years, and and as soon, when people see that, it scares them because they're like the they look at the yield and they're not even if they see the rental estimate because some of the some of the real estate agents won't mention that if you don't ask yeah. the question they won't tell you so it's um there's potentially some great opportunities out there to increase your yields and and um, sort of make it a more um, appetizing purchase. Yeah, but where the catch comes yeah. in is your lender. See, if you're buying a property that currently is rented at 360, some lenders will only take oh, yeah. it at face wouldn't, value. Wouldn't you be able to get a rental, rental. appraisal for what? Yeah. So I got a rental appraisal and lucky for me, my lender said, hey, we'll, we'll take the rental appraisal amount for your serviceability, but some of them won't depending on how long it is between when the lease is up. So that that's oh, something yeah. to, to keep in mind for your serviceability. Definitely. Yeah, you gotta gotta get that broker who has twenty to thirty or forty lenders. So that's yeah. that, that's 
It's been a great run through. So what, what would you say it's top three learnings from this um, project? And we'll start cracking onto questions as well. So if people have questions, throw those in and we'll get to as many as we can. But what are your top three lessons from this renovation? Uh, oh, gosh, my top three lessons is um, <laughs> hopefully know who your trades are and give yourself a bit more time. I've got to say the concrete was the bane of my life. Um he cancelled on me. He said he could do the job in two days. It ended up taking four days. He cancelled and it was two weeks later. So because he delayed the job, all the other trades delayed the job and I was stressing out thinking, well, if the insurance company aren't paying me money for the extra time, then that's costing me money out of my pocket and I can't claim that through the concreters. So it's just... Just plan, 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 plan. And and the unfortunate thing for me was I didn't have time for, to plan. I could I didn't have access to the property beforehand. The tenants mm. moved out with uh. short notice. They only gave me seven days no ten days notice, sorry, instead of fourteen. And basically I was thrown in. It's like, wow, this is what I've got. I've got to mm. make a decision really, really, really quickly on the spot on what to do. So you know, if you've got time to plan, absolute fundamental number one, but keep flexibility in there because things change, you know. You do one thing and it uncovers another problem. Um, yeah. So, you know, I had to think on my feet, oh, the concrete is delayed, what do I do? Um, you know, if there's a problem with the plumbing, what do I do? Oh, I've spent too much money on the landscaping, where can I save money somewhere else? So, um you know, planning, flexibility, and then um, making sure you've got buffers in place too. You know, I spent more than I had anticipated. Wow, really? Yeah. I thought, I thought you did such an afford. Like looking at that renovation, you've done it so affordably. Um, were you on the tools a lot, um, doing lie- laying the vinyl plank, painting doing those bits and pieces like what did that look like from how involved you were and how involved the contractors were um i attempt not to get my hands dirty and only project manage outside um, of carpet removal <laughs> that said i'm not He's afraid so of getting my hands dirty so you know i'll do basic cleaning um roll up the carpet do what i have to do help the landscaper you know carry the the concrete post because he was a one-man band and, you know, digging holes for him because we were under the pump with time and you've got rain days and hot days and you've got other trades booked in. Like, you know, I had a really strict timeline of when the trades were coming in. It's like, okay, you've got three days to get this job done. If they don't take three days and they take three and a half days, what do you do? It throws the whole thing out. So, um, that's why I said maintaining some flexibility is really important. So, um, and you know, but I am blessed that at that time in the market when trades are hard to get, everyone came to the party. Mm. You know, no trades let me down that they didn't show up. They didn't try to rip me off. You know, I knew what prices were. And in this instance, I didn't do the three quote thing. Normally I would. But because I was under the pump with time, I just said to the electrician, how much? Yep, whatever, $2,000, no problem. When can you do it? I can do it on Friday. Great, go ahead. Yeah. So when you're fast and and you make instant decisions, you you get shit done real quick. Yeah, 
this is this is awesome oh and this is a great question did you yeah great job anita did you get the garage door on the master bedroom conversion did you keep sorry the garage door on the master bedroom so oh, you turn so the for that other job. Um, okay. Oh, uh, is that this? No. That's not this one. That's not this job. No, that, that's that's the other one. No, I threw oh. it out. It was old. Rubbish. Yeah, you just put wood up. Um, and oh, I, yeah, I um, insulated. I put um, uh, cement sheeting panels on the on the outside of that one. Okay. So I didn't even brick it up. I just um sheeted over it. So how, this... how how much equity did you you make in this job? Like. So give or take 50000 but this is where we come back to the question of flipping. If you take in consideration your buying costs and what are going to be your selling costs, have I actually made money? No. Like I can, I can sell that property in three weeks, which will be my 12 months, you know, so I don't pay 100% capital gains tax. Um, I won't actually make much money. Mm. Yeah. Because your stamp, your stamps are going to be well, what, what, what were they about fifteen thousand? It was about fifteen thousand, yeah. And if you're I sell it, them. well, um, um, yes, yeah. If you sell it, it's, yeah. it there's not. It's going to be another ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars. You know, marketing and and commission and everything. So this is why the buy and hold, you know is is important. And I believe that in two or three years' time, once the market settles and, and hopefully we, we get some chance to have some, you know, new capital uplift again. Um, that property will go from being about five fifty to six fifty or seven hundred thousand in just say five years time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a, a great way to look at it. Um, but you've grown it massively, two hundred and thirty dollars a week. 4% to 6% is a major, major uplift. Um, well, let's get to some of these questions. A lot of people have been throwing stuff at uh, um, at you throughout the conversation. Um, let's run through them. Um, is there anything else you wanted to cover off on it, though, Anita, while we while we load them up? Um, are there any other points to, to hit home about this deal and how it's all kind of worked out for you? Um, you know, I'd just say that in general renovating is hard work like as I said before it's bloody hard work and and for me you know I went from being quite happy and sedentary to to a month of full-on stress driving back and forth and 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 whatever would I do it again yeah because like to me like that's a real buzz I I get a kick out of it but you can't do it all the time um because it, it really is hard work like so much so that if I had a choice, the next property I buy, I want it already done for me. Yeah. And I'm happy to pay that extra money. Yeah. 100%. So what would this property have gone for? 510 if it was all um, like a normal house that wasn't disgusting and gross. It would have gone for about 510. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 510, 520, depending. Yeah. Mm. It's in a nice little street. It's, you know quick to the highway, quick to the water. It's it's in a really good location. Um, and if anyone knows the area, Arundel is a little bit more prestige to Labrador, and but Labrador is a suburb that's on everyone's radar. They don't look, you know, it's that whole thing about, well, what are the, the cities on the outskirts of the area that's growing in value? So um, 
hence there was only two rentals in in Arundel, and and I was able to rent it very quickly as well. Love it. But that's um, not to say that, you know, those suburbs in the Gold Coast are the places to buy. They're the ones that yeah. I chose to buy based on my criteria. Yeah. And and this is probably another reason why you didn't paint those laminate cupboards um, that, that were in the kitchen. So the questions come up, painting laminate kitchen cupboards is not durable or long-term solution. They'll chip and look worse than before they were painted, which is so true. Like you would have probably chatted to the painter and said, hey, Maybe not, but if you do chat to a painter, um, they'll tell you exactly that. It needs to be the you can do it. You need this special paint, but it the way laminate is set up, it does chip away all the time and looks gross. Um, see, if they were timber, it would be different to laminate. I, I yeah. think laminate's got that finish that yeah, it, it's not going it to look. Good. So I just left it. Yeah. Love that. Um, there was a question. There's been a couple of questions about the the vinyl flank uh, planks. Did you put screed over the top of the tiles when you laid it over the top of them? Yeah, yeah. He leveled the whole place out. It uh, was a beautiful grey floor even before the vinyl went on. So yeah, no, he did that. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, and did you did you do the vinyl planks or did you let the vinyl plank man do the vinyl planking? No, the vinyl plank man. I've I've got a guy who's um he's done a few jobs for me and um little one man band and he does an awesome job. He, it's economical, so I wouldn't do it myself. I, I've been into houses where you could see people do it and they've got gaps and really badly finished. Yep. He yep. does it quickly. It takes him a day to do it. Yeah. So no, would never do it myself. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is easy to do, but it's easy to mess up as well. So it's it, and also it's the time, energy, and effort for you to be able to do it. What could you be spending your time on? Um, project managing it to make it to save you more money in the end by choosing better trades and cheaper prices and those type of things. Yeah, look, I, I've learned like our first reno or two, we we did the hard yards, you know, like we did as much as we could. But I, I quickly learned that the quality of our own work, when you're not an expert at something, you can really botch it up and make it look crap. So you're well, better we, off we paying the experts to do it quickly, pay a little bit more money, but the end result's going to look a lot better. And then I'm not stressing um, and having to clean up in that. So um, I learned very quickly not to do jobs myself. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's very valuable to do stuff yourself when you need to. Um, when you're at that first, you know, this is the first property, you need to get your hands dirty, you need to get that going. But you then start to see when you go to that next stage, it's like, wow, I can actually make it more efficient. I can be, I can get a better job done. Um, so you, you doing all this stuff, well, you probably couldn't do all of this stuff, self, especially the concrete, a lot of it that you have to do. And that's, that's why I asked the question, because you've done so well affordably like this you've done a full full house renovation so affordably um with all these extra expensive components i i was expecting you to say yeah i was doing this and doing that but it's not you've just you've managed it and project managed it well got enough trades got enough quotes and um made it happen well done hats off to you thank you Um, and look at the end of the day i've got beautiful happy tenants i said to my property manager it's a two-bedroom property I don't want to, you know, no discrimination here, but, you know, after what I went through and other tenants, I don't want two singles. I don't want lots of pets, especially cats. Um, I want ideally a couple and I'm open to having a dog. Um, 
that was my criteria and guess what? She found it and they they are absolutely wonderful. I mean, I can say that post-renovation I had some issues with plumbing outside that didn't come up in the build and pest report, so I had to cut up some of that concrete. Oh, no. This is the <laughs> shit that happens mm-hmm. and uh, and we had to fix that. But the, the tenants are absolutely amazing, you know, giving access and, and, and letting us know what went on and um, I the result couldn't have been any better. So I believe what you give is what you get back. This is an example. Give a good, clean home that some thought and love has gone into and you'll you'll get that back with tenants if you've got the right property manager as well. Hmm. All right. Any any, any last questions uh, before we, but while we're we're doing that, what what is the, like, I absolutely love what you've done with this place and it, Actually, one question I want to ask is what's next? What, what is the next challenge for Anita? You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm in two minds. Um, I've actually got pre-approval from the bank to go again and do something. Um, Why not get it done? I, mean, I it's, can't it's find anything. Awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being very picky and I can't quite find anything. And yeah. I'm just swinging about the idea of maybe changing my PPR and doing it that way and then utilising that money uh, for, for that. So ask me again. I, I thought I would have something bought by this session that we had booked in. I really did. I, I nearly bought a unit in Sydney and because uh, I was mm. down there a couple of weeks ago and because, uh, yeah, that's what I was looking at, another unit in Sydney. It's like, you know, rinse and repeat. If I've done it once before, I'll do it again. Um, but, a, Ren- a Reno, uh, a Reno in Sydney, or did you do? Yeah, why not? You know, <laughs> yeah. So back, in the old, where, back, in, back in the Shire. Back in the Shire. There you go. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. If you want me to do inspections, let me know. I'll go go say hello to the <laughs> the local <Thank> units. <laughs> but you know, it's hard to buy anything there under six hundred thousand, and 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 that's my budget. I don't want to spend more than that on a on a unit. So you know, I've got to yeah. change my strategy a little bit, but that's okay. That's mm-hmm. where remaining flexible is important. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's so true. Well, this has been an unreal deal. How can people? Well, I guess, I mean, is there anything that you want to kind of? put forward to the audience is there anything that you want people to reach out throw questions your way like how can people learn a little bit more about you or or um yeah understand a bit more what you do yeah um look essentially i'm a renovation consultant and a licensed um real estate agent here on the gold coast so you know if anyone's got a property for sale hey (laughs) happy to help um but primarily, you know, as investors, um, I think if you have a property that you're just not sure what to do with, um, maybe it's here on the Gold Coast and I can go and inspect it um, and, and, and provide some advice on how you can best add value um, in the most efficient way, happy to help. Um, also, you know, I, I speak with clients who they just need some advice on what to do next and it's not financial advice or whatever but it's just trying to get um an idea of a of a path forward you know especially for for new investors but but primarily it's that process of buy renovate sell you know how can we add value to your property whether you're buying um putting a tenant in to uplift value and and cash um return and likewise to sell the property 
Because mm. sometimes when you sell, you don't do a renovation, but you need a little bit of TLC to make it um, desirable for, for for buyers, you know, mm, make it more yeah. attractive than the one next door. Striking that balance, isn't it? Trying to it. make it worthwhile and also sell it because as soon as you sell it, you're not getting any of that extra, the extra value add. Um, and, and just why would someone... I mean, it sounds like a silly question, but a renovation consultant, like why why do people come to a renovation consultant? Like what, what do they actually do? Um, because the average person um, generally can't see beyond what's in front of them. So they can't imagine a floor plan where, you know, what do I do to put in a new kitchen or get better flow in the house? How much is it going to cost? Like they've got no idea how much it costs to lay concrete or vinyl flooring or or whatever it is. So, um, you know, part of what I do with the Renault consults is go into people's homes and say, well, you know, let's look at changing the colours, let's look at changing the floor plan. Um, Here's what you could do with the bathroom, you know, by moving the shower from this end to that end. You can make a walk-in shower rather than the little box or, you know, things like that. How much is that going to cost? You know, what do I have to think about? You know, where is the plumbing? Where is the... Um, how's that going to affect something else? Like so many variables to think of. Um, and mm. I guess I've been told I have that skill set that I can see beyond what's in front of me. Well, yeah, clearly. And people like that. But most people are happy to do the work themselves. So I don't do the actual renos. I just advise, okay, this is what you, the potential. That's probably the hardest, that's probably the hardest thing to do. And, and I suppose then it, the other challenging thing is is making sure you you're getting um, reliable and quality trades as well. If you can get like Definitely. once you, yeah. So those, those are the biggest challenges with Renault, I would say. Hundred mm. percent. Yeah, the planning structure and setting it up, making it happen. Um, amazing. Well, thank you very much for today, Anita. This has been um, awesome. It's an awesome deal. You've done so well. You now have a six percent yield. You know, sitting there ready to go, and then you'll be able to pull equity out whenever you, whenever you need to, whenever you need to work on it. You don't need it right now, so don't you don't need to bother. Um, yeah. Any any final words, Jeff? No, no. I think I think it's um yeah, particularly in a market that's not um look, there's there's markets that are still going quite well, but I think value adds, and particularly the way. That um, to to add sort of rental yield or, or growth and being clear on what you're doing, I think that's potentially one way you can keep moving forward in a market that's not going to continue to see twenty to twenty five percent growth year on year. Having said yeah. that, inflation seven point four percent today, come down from eight point three percent. So, woohoo! But um, having said that, the um, <laughs> November November inflation was uh, seven point three. So, yeah. So let's see. I think that stops the RBA from doing a 0.5% increase next Tuesday. But yeah, 0.25 was, is going to happen, I'd say. It's just whether they're going to go a bit harder. So, but yeah. Love it. Well, let's go buy a renovation property. Thank you very much, Anita. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hear more interviews and share your story with some of Australia's top property experts and commentators now by joining the Oz Property Investors Facebook group with over 25,000 property investors so we can all become better property investors together.
Just a quick reminder that anything we covered on this podcast is not considered as financial advice. This is general information only. You need to go and speak with your qualified professionals to understand your unique circumstances as this is general advice only. If you got any value out of this podcast, feel free to recommend us to your friends and leave us a review. Thank you very much for listening and have a fantastic day. Let's go buy a property.